to Making It All Weird with Matt and Dave. I'm Dave. I'm here with my co-host, Matt. Say hi, Matt. Yeah, it's me, guys. Hi, Matt. Back, bitches. And I will be. I've got myself a whole new setup here. I've got a dynamic microphone, which I think will be better in my room here, and a foot pedal push-to-talk button, which apparently is bound to the B key, so now I can't like type anything and use it at the same time. Oh, but that's fine. That's that's you know yeah. You'll you'll figure it out, man. Okay. So anything new in your life, Matt? Let me see. Nah. <laughs> you know, lockdown. Every day is the same. Fun. You know, lots of fun. But I guess you know, new some new uh, tabletop RPGs starting. So that's fun. Yeah, Matt and I and a bunch of our friends are starting a Vampire the Masquerade version 5 campaign that takes place in my custom campaign setting of Sacramento by Night. If that already exists, well, wonderful. It's the better version. Well, we played in Sacramento by Night last December, I want to say. Yeah, before the dark times. Before the Empire. True. Today's topic is... The philosophy of history. Matt, what are your thoughts about the philosophy of history? So my knee-jerk reaction for philosophy of history, my knee-jerk definition, let's go with, the philosopher's perspective on the mechanisms and purpose of history, and not so much what happened in history, like why did it happen, but on a more personal level. Yeah, I'd say that seems accurate. The way that I conceive it, and the reason that I brought this topic up is because I'm reading a book, Open Society and Its Enemies, by a Mm. mid-20th century philosopher named Karl Popper. Mm. And Popper was actually a philosopher involved in the philosophy of science. He came up with a unique understanding of scientific truth, which not going to talk about right now because it's not relevant, but it <laughs> different is, topic. yeah, it's a different topic for a different time. Karl Popper wrote this book right before World War II, and he was looking at the Nazis, and he noticed this tendency that the Nazis had that Americans have two, to an extent, but it's it's kind of built into our history. Right. And then he traces that through Plato, and then through Hegel and Marx. This idea is called historicism, and historicism is reading something like destiny into history. Yeah, Um, yeah, it makes a lot of sense. With the Nazis, this is very obvious, right? They say, here's the history of the world. Ultimately, it's our destiny to control everything because we're the master race. We need to get rid of all the Jews, gypsies, communists, etc., etc., and then we'll take control because it's our destiny. And also, yeah. there was some time in the past when the Germanic peoples were strong, and now that's gone away. This almost leans into the explanation of how people come to an idea of utopia, the Nazi ideal, you know? A utopia? You mean like the end result? Well, yeah. Historicism explains how historical cycles come about, and in this kind of case, like... You were examining the Nazis as saying, like, uh, you know, it would kind of be an explanation or at least look at how and why they came to the utopian ideals that they did for their worldview. I agree with that. What it amounts to is this, like, 
backwards justification through time of current events. And what Popper was saying is that we absolutely can do political science, sociology, things like that. That's all great. But we have a tendency to conduct it with this old version of science that we don't think about anymore. And it's tied to this Aristotelian notion of teleology. And I want to make clear, none of this is inherently bad, right? In terms of publishing papers and trying to be accurate and scientific, he's saying that the process isn't. But we're always going to have theories about why things happen the way that they do, and just our own notions and, and inklings and stuff like that. This idea of teleology essentially has to do with the study of ends is technically what it means. And so by ends, it means that every action has an intention behind it, like a purpose for that action. I feel hot, so I turn the air conditioning on, just for sake of example. The end of my action is to be cool, to cool myself off. There's actually something really intuitive and correct about that in certain ways, right? But in other ways, it might not necessarily be correct. I can read that definitely into human action. And that even has to do with like psychoanalysis and psychology. Even if we're not aware of what our ends are. There's a drive to why that happens. Yeah, there, yeah, there is a reason. There's a purpose for our action, even if we don't know. It is valid to read some teleology into history. In fact, I don't think it's possible to view history without reading some teleology into it. Yeah, that's, that's just human nature, I feel. Even nature, other subject. Not talking about it now. Not not gonna. Yeah, not let's gonna not get into that. <laughs> what Karl Popper identified in Plato is this very reactionary, conservative historicism built into Plato. But what Popper was was identifying in all of this was that Plato was using some very historicist arguments about how these city states had developed, and not only that, but he influenced all of these people all the way up to Hegel. And what Hegel was doing was seeing history as a rational process. That is, he identified this force that drove history, this underlying drive that led it up to the moment that it was. Looking at like, okay, well, the Greeks ruled, you know, the, the enlightened world at one point, and then, and then yeah. they were conquered by the Romans, who were their uh, dialectical opposite, but then they existed mm -hmm. in sort of like a, a suspension of both Greco-Roman before the Christian you know, idea came along and then right. Christian idea was the synthesis of them and all of this mm -hmm. stuff right. and leading up to the present moment. Now, Hegel's Hegel's all right. Like in, in all of this, he, he actually wasn't making like predictions. He wasn't saying, well, uh, I don't know. Forget that. He's got like, <laughs> that's kind of bullshit. Cause I, I have right here, I have the philosophy of history written by Hegel and yeah, he does make some pretty racist arguments on this. I gotta say, <laughs> But I don't think he's, you know, it's not intentional. I don't think he's, he's not like a eugenicist or anything like that. He just, he's seeing like the world spirit manifesting in different eras, essentially. What Karl Popper would say is this idea is very unscientific. You don't have any way to prove it, essentially. All you're doing is expounding your thoughts about history. On one hand, it's, it's fine, right? Like you can think that that's great. Yeah. But if you use that to, yeah, and if you use that to like inform your behavior or your policy, for instance, like if you're a government and this is like your idea, like we're the mm -hmm. ideal people who, you know, history led up to this moment and now we're going to take the reins of history and, and push it forward into a new era. That's, uh, you know, that could lead to a big problem. Exactly. 
kind of the other idea of history is to put all of that aside and just think about it way more scientifically. Stop trying to find these overarching rational processes throughout history and instead take a much more, okay, well, these events led up to this event. So we can say that, you know, like the French Revolution, for instance, was caused by the resentment of the lower class and their oppression by feudalism, the king, and these like very strict, rigid social hierarchies or something like that. That's fine. Right. You can have you can show evidence. You can have like you can find journals of lower class people in Paris. Right. Writing about how terrible conditions were and stuff like that. And then you build up like evidence to support your point and you prove demonstrable. Yeah, exactly. And and so that follows. That's not science per se. I I guess it is science a bit. That's a scientific process. Right. It's an inductive process where you're providing evidence to support a claim. Rather than assuming the claim to begin with, which is there is a rational process that drives all of history, and then trying before to f- the scientific method, <laughs> <laughs> right? And then and then trying to cherry pick, like, like oh, it, and I can support that claim because the way that I see it, we have these big movements throughout history, and so he's not saying it's, it, that's a priori, like like automatically wrong or anything like that. There may well be, but you can never prove such a thing. We can't assume that it's one way and not the other without any kind of evidence for it. Yeah. Which, you know, <laughs> kind of kind of to me goes without saying, but, you know. I, I mean, I, I think that it does to, you know, for us to an extent, it's, it's 2020, man. You know, get right. Yeah, I was going to say, that's a product of being born after the scientific method. <laughs> But we're not we're not immune from it. Like, we do this too, or America does this oh, too. Like manifest <laughs> destiny of like the the settlers, you know, who were going out west saw themselves as as being the rightful owners of the land that they were walking yeah. on. Much more well put together and, and and more deserving of that land than the people who were already living there, etc. etc. Et That's just the basic idea: is to suspend our our disbelief. Or no, no, other way, other way around. Don't suspend our disbelief. Um, disbelieve, or, or at least keep at an arm's length a lot of these, like I said in our last show, meta narratives about what what is going on in terms of how history is developing. And at the same time, like, don't get me wrong, I think people should read Hegel. I love Hegel. I do like dialectical thinking, thinking about how one thing negates another thing, but the new thing, you can only really see it in terms of a systematic process, right? I think that's a very good way to look at things. As far as like how accurate necessarily it's. Just taking like his argument from the phenomenology of spirit, every moment that we that 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 passes, right? We're we're having an experience. And so, so right now I'm looking at my pencil, right? And then the negation of me looking at my pencil is me now looking at my my mouse, right? You know, the ma- uh, my computer mouse. Um, and in the moment that I'm looking at my computer mouse, that negates the previous moment of me looking at my pencil. I still have the memory that the experience of the of the my pencil looking experience pencil, yeah. still exists within the moment of me looking at my mouse, right? Hmm. So yeah. All of, all of the past kind of exists in the present moment. I, I, I think that there is something to that, that we don't, that, that isn't intuitive, right? Like we have to take a very philosophical view of things, but <laughs> as to scientifically proving that, uh, I mean, that's a different story. <laughs>
Good luck. Yeah. All right. Uh, do you have anything to add, Matt? Uh, I mean, like this is, uh, yeah, this isn't my uh, subject of expertise here, but uh, I look at, I mean, like I understand where it's uh, come from. Like, really, I think kind of the prevailing philosophy of history today is almost a cyclical kind of, you know, nature. Like, you know, trends lead to, you know, which, you know, you, you mentioned in Marx last time, you know, you know that uh, when you were talking, doing the deep dive on uh, that bit, it was like, oh, yeah, the capitalism, you know, uh, capitalism will eventually lead to communism kind of thing. You know, but basically, like, I think the prevailing notion of his, like, the philosophy of history today is you know, it, it is cyclical. You know, we've been here before, it'll come here again, you know, based on these observable trends. I think it, I, I think that too, like, I'm not saying you're wrong. Uh, well, I was just saying, next- like, based off of, you know, what I've seen people discuss anyway. So this is just, you know, I guess the only, the only real, like, problem with that that just comes to mind, if that's the case and everything is cyclical, then it doesn't matter what we do because we're always going to be fighting against the forces that are that are working against us historically, right? I mean, this is kind of like Eucydides, uh, kind of, you know, you go into, like, people talking about, like, oh, Eucydides' trap, you know, as far as, like, when superpowers, you know, the, the idea that superpowers will, if, you know, if there's one that is, uh, you know, waning and one that is rising, they will inevitably fight kind of, you know, I don't buy this, you know, 100%, but I see this argument made a lot. Sure. I, I, I guess what I'm what I'm trying to get away from the overall point to all of this is to kind of remove the idea of necessity out of things. Right. So, you know, like one yeah. superhero power is waning and another is rising and eventually mm-hmm. they're going to fight together like they might. No, nothing yeah. saying that they can't, but nothing is saying that they must necessarily. Right. Correct. And that, that's always my take is like, you know, it's almost like when you take the slippery slope argument, it's pres- presuming, you know, that necessarily X will happen in response to Y, you know? Exactly. And, and that uh, takes yeah. that takes a uh, like really any that takes a personal kind of like I guess decision making out of the equation. It doesn't work for me. So Matt, now now's the time we've been waiting for. We're not going to. Uh, I don't think we're going to do relationship <laughs> advice today. But no, I believe it's dream fuckery. Yeah, we're going to do dream and we're going to analyze your dreams. Before it's we do fun. this, let's let's put some disclaimers in. Okay, <laughs> smart, smart. I'm I'm sorry. Um, these are completely subjective interpretations. I'm not right. I can't be right because you're not. You know, I'm reading these. You're not here to like talk to me or anything like that. So this is a a, a private <laughs> personal interpretation. Yeah, I think that this is the uh, that my interpretations are the right ones and yours are fucking wrong if, if they differ from mine. And I'm willing to kill right. you. Right. Yeah, I'm, I'm willing to end your life because of that. Which but is right. That's the right way to be. It's only ethical, you know. Uh, anyway, yeah. so. so yeah, at the same time, I'm going to be talking a lot of lot of like disgusting stuff here. Both in terms of the the literal dreams and my interpretations of them, I am not claiming that I am right a priori. What makes an interpretation right or not is whether you're able to accept it. Okay? Sure. And chances are, because of the nature of of what dreams are in the first place, 
which I won't go into because it's more fun to do some dream interpretations before before you actually like talk about any theory of dreams. Dreams kind of serve to obscure the true nature of what the dream is trying to tell you. They're designed to get you from the from the get go to say, oh, that isn't that can't be right. You're crazy. <laughs> so so yeah that's what i'm doing here is i'm going as fucking crazy as i possibly can and assuming that nobody will agree with me and like, that's just look at the title okay and and that really will give you a good hint of how this is gonna go <laughs> look at the title of our yeah, podcast. So, so let's just get into it and 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 i want to i want to just reiterate i don't think that the people who write these for the for the most part, have anything wrong with them whatsoever. This is not prescriptive or anything else. All this is doing is me using my own subjective interpretation and my own consciousness, right? Not yours. The only bit of your consciousness I have is the text of the dream that you've written. So I can't ask you follow-up questions or anything like that. So I'm just kind of bouncing these around in my head and giving my associations and and personal interpretations of it. It does not mean you are sick, disgusting, anything else. This is just me it's being sick, disgusting, and everything else. But I'm also right a priori, and you can't say anything back. Um, I think you're sick and disgusting because I, I, you know, I'm. So let's start. Um, this, this is a this is the few that I've I chose for today. I picked just in terms of title. I've read through a few of them so far, but this is a wild ride. So I'm going to read this to you, and I want you to tell me, tell me what you think it means. Yeah. The title is, Having to Jump in a Narrow Tunnel of Human Excrement to Take a Shower. Hello, everyone. I, a 25-year-old male, had a very weird dream recently that I usually never remember my dreams, but I still remember this one days later and still feel uncomfortable about it. So I was in a house I didn't know. It was a sunny day. I was in a bed, totally naked. On the outside, I'm guessing it means that he was over the covers and uh there was that my was mother sick. my boyfriend and grandparents having a drink waiting for me to go out of the bed the thing is i was totally naked and i felt like it was my bad like i knew people were coming and if i prepared myself earlier i wouldn't be in this situation i got off the bed trying to hide my dick by facing the only direction where there wasn't any other person oh my, my boyfriend God. helped by placing his head between my mother and me so she wouldn't see my private parts Fast forward several hours, I have to take a shower and realize that there was only one bathroom in which there was a squat toilet. There was some shit around the central hole from all the previous people who didn't know how to aim. And I realize to take a shower, I have to jump in this narrow shit covered hole and there will be showers. I decided not to jump in uh, because I was petrified standing one foot on each side of the hole, one toe covered in shit. I could not do it. It was too much. So I went to sleep knowing that during the night, some people would clean the house, including the toilets. So there would not be any remaining feces near the hole, and I could jump without fearing anything. So the next day, I go into the bathroom, notice the toilets are really clean, and jump into the toilet. I arrive in some very clean showers. I enjoy the best shower of my life, then head out of the showers. They had doors leading to them. And I was like, wait, couldn't I just come here by the door to avoid jumping in the toilet? And no, the doors uh, were only one way. You could only use them to go out of the showers, not the other way around. Matt, what do you think this dream means? Hmm. So, as I'm looking at it, right, uh, 
One, the first thing that strikes me is, or the first two things that strike me, uh, the strange house that they're in and his nudity. Now, I don't think that the house being strange to him and the nudity are separate things. I think they're actually really uh, very closely linked. Um, the fact that the strange place... Now, okay, now this is a little bit, just a little bit of a kind of, uh, I guess... You know, I'm going with a concept here, but the fact that he mentioned a squat toilet later on kind of uh, affected my uh, take on this, to be honest. Uh, but he's naked in a house that he doesn't recognize. Okay, so this house, this house rec- represents to me a place like, yeah, but more to, more to the point, a, a place in his own psyche, in his own feelings that he is unfamiliar with you understand his nudity is him being vulnerable and now i i say the squat toilet played a role in this but that his nudity is him being vulnerable in this new place and that i feel may be him being in the closet in his real life and his boyfriend uh helping him to maintain that appearance hence hiding his nudity from his mother as i take it as the day goes on right he goes to the toilet the squat toilet which he has to jump through the shitty toilet to get to his you know to the shower where he will be clean now the shitty toilet i rick i think is a sort of a um it takes like the idea that he's going to have to go through shit you know, to get clean and and clean in this aspect in, in this dream is coming out of the closet, being honest about his relationship with his boyfriend. And, you know, like, oh, this is what it really is. I'm gay, guys. Mom, dad, family, because I don't see a lot because the squat toilet specifically speaks to me about this because I don't see that a lot in first world countries. Uh, the only time I've had experience personally with squat toilets was in the Middle East, typically in a Middle Eastern context homosexuality is not something that they are open about that is uh basically him he fears having to jump through this shit to be clean and be out you know in the open about his relationship however he feels if he waits because he did mention this that if he waits someone will clean it up if he waits for the right time whenever that may be in his you know mind and subconscious then the shit won't be there for him to wade through to take a shower. That's my take. I don't know. What do you think? I like your take. I think that is a valid take to have on this. Personally, I don't necessarily see him as being closeted. I, I mean, it very might well be. That's just, that's just not the sense that I got. Yeah, I try not to read into things, but it's hard. My interpretation is wildly different. Strap the fuck in. All right, man. Should I put on my crash helmet? <laughs> <Stop> <laughs> helmet? Which one is it? So he's naked in bed in a strange room. That, so I, that's the first thing I want to I want to note. Yeah, I'm tracking. He gets out of bed, and his mother is there. His boyfriend notices his discomfort and stands in front of the mother to block her her view of him. Mm-hmm. This is important. I'm just going through the, the things that I think are, are very important. Then he goes over to this squat toilet, which has shit covered in it, like right, right. shit in the toilet, and he realizes that he needs to go into the toilet to reach the showers, the place where he can get clean. 
but right now he can't because there's shit in the toilet and so he needs to wait until somebody comes and cleans the shit off the toilet toilet then he can go into the right. toilet go into the showers take a shower get all clean and then go out the outdoor so and that's what happens him being in a strange room naked is him being in the womb in his mother's womb him getting out of bed is him being born his mother sees him naked and he feels ashamed about that he says the thing is i was totally naked and i felt like it was my bad I, like i knew that people were coming to prepare myself earlier i wouldn't be in this situation he feels guilt about something right i don't necessarily think that's that has to do with homosexuality or or, or you know being closeted or anything like that right. it might well be i could be wrong but i don't i don't i don't i'm just mm-hmm. not seeing that as the case like, i think he, i think this is either an out gay man or out bisexual man or something like that, like that. Okay. i just think that you know he feels guilty about something that he that he is ashamed uh that his mother is seeing right so his boyfriend blocks his mother and so that is symbolic saying Either his boyfriend is covering her for her, he's covering for him about something, or he wants his boyfriend to cover for him about something. Now here's the yeah, where, it goes, where, where it goes batshit. He's okay. standing above a toilet covered in shit. Mm-hmm. He is looking down into the hole of the toilet. He needs to crawl into the hole to get to another room, which has showers in it, where he can also be naked, okay, and get clean. All right. This is so there's a few things going on crawling into something and coming out into a room on the other side. You are unbirthing yourself. You're going back into the womb, womb. but this right. is the original womb. He was in the original womb. That was his mother's womb. No, where is he now? He's in a different womb. And we're going to get to this because I, I just, I love this. It's fucking amazing. Amazing. Okay. Um, All right. I'm already buckled up and I can see we're accelerating here. Okay. Yeah, yeah. He's going to unbirth himself, baptize himself in, in the showers of cleanliness, and then leave out the outdoor. outdoor. Okay, okay. Now, what is covered in shit? It's the toilet, the squat toilet. Right. Now, let me ask you, are, when you have sex with a woman, I personally haven't had sex with a man. I don't know. When you have sex with a woman, I, I would assume that their vaginas are not, not covered in shit. Am I accurate about that? Most of the time. I'm- you know, for the most part, if, 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 you know, it is, it's possibly, you know, like you proceeded with something else or she's sick. He is either gay or bisexual. We don't know. But right. he does it's- have a boyfriend. Yes. If he is crawling into the womb through the toilet, and normally what would somebody... So if people come out of wombs... Uh, what what pathway would somebody have to take to go back into the womb? The vagina. So if it's a vagina, and that's a sexual organ where we are going to insert something normally, right, sexual right. gratification. So what would be the equivalent if he's gay or bisexual with his boyfriend? Uh, to going back into the womb? Going into his... What's the equivalent uh, if, if, if we're just doing at a level of equivalencies, right? Hmm. Um, what is the in, in the relationship, in a gay relationship between two men, assuming they are, are having genital sex, what is the man putting his sexual organ into? His, his, his uh, boyfriend's rectum. Yes. Okay, so, the, so his boyfriend's rectum his boyfriend's asshole, which yeah. is unlike a vagina, which doesn't poop out shit, right? I mean, I don't know. I, I haven't taken, you know, like sex ed in a long time, but I don't think that vaginas necessarily poop out shit. Well, very, they, very thankful yeah, here, people. Yeah. <laughs> There's something really fucking wrong, I think, as you know, in my opinion. So he is 
I'll just come out and say it. He's crawling. So he's replaced his mother with his boyfriend. I'm, okay, once again, symbolically. Okay, yes, he's yes. crawling into his asshole, into his his boyfriend's womb, staying there for a little while, baptizing himself in the cleanliness of his boyfriend's showers. No, after his his boyfriend has cleaned the shit off his asshole. Ah, yeah. Um, he baptized, and then he's able to leave without actually going back out the toilets. Right? He he he's magically able to be born right. again without dirtying himself. <laughs> okay. All right. All right. So so that's that's what this I think <laughs> this dream means. We've gone through a lot together. Oh, so much. We all know it's about the journey and not the end goal because that's wild, right? Uh, but the thing is. It's not actually wild. It's absolutely fine. What the dream means, that, so that is the symbolic, you know, text of the dream. Right. I, that's like one level of symbolism. And so when we get to the actual meaning of that is that he feels guilty about something regarding his mother, right? He feels like he let her down maybe or something like yeah. that. And so what he wants is for his boyfriend to be more like a father to him. That makes he, sense. He, that makes sense. He wants his, his boyfriend to, or maybe his he sees his boyfriend as being more responsible and being like a father to him. But he wants that comfort of being inside of his boyfriend's room of, of like fantastically and, and alchemically almost right, right. replacing his mother because he feels, he feels this guilt. So replacing his, his mother into a more nurturing environment, which is his boyfriend's asshole. <laughs> and, uh, I mean, you know, I can't like, I understand like, and, and again, like it, as crazy as it sounds, right. You know, it's not that crazy because I, I mean, your safe place, so to speak the womb it, the concept of said safe it changes and right now that is his boyfriend's asshole i am seeing where you're not so crazy off the rails but you know it's, it's pretty wild this is not a fucked up dream at all this is fine like a completely perfectly normal, normal perfectly normal like human being would have a dream like this uh you're an asshole if you think otherwise <laughs> Pretty much, I think so. Like, so, but but it is in, in, insanely funny to, to 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 me, and it's nothing about the the writer of this dream or oh, anything no. like that. It's just the the textual interpretation, the amount of like Freudian stuff going on. There's this Oedipal stuff <laughs> where you know, like he he you know normally the Oedipal complex. So somebody um, yeah. wants to. Unite or have sex with, but it's really like unite with their mother and kill or get rid of the father who they see as a competitor for the mother's love. (laughs) Right. Here he's actually trying to replace his mother with his boyfriend. With his boyfriend, yeah. I was going to say, it's a little bit of... What it it is, is like he's trying to merge both his father and his mother to kind of like reconcile maybe his aggressive feelings about his father, which would be represented because his father slash boyfriend's asshole is covered in shit, right? So magically, you know, the right. cleaning people have to come in and, 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 and scrape yeah. the shit off, scrape the shit off his boyfriend's asshole in the middle of the night when no one's there. <laughs> so he can, so he has a clean entryway. So he, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, I followed <laughs> And I mean, it is. This is this is how I think. I can't not see this. I'm so sorry to everybody who's listening. Who's like, I'm not petrified. <laughs> this is awesome. All right. Okay. Um, I'm going to read the second one as well. 
the next dream that we have. <laughs> OP, original poster, you're great, you're golden, we love you. Get on yeah, with yourself, there's nothing wrong with you, yeah. there's nothing wrong with your dream, perfectly normal dream to have. All right, so you mentioned before that you, you didn't know what this dream means, but let's let's just yeah, this one walk I had through a weird it step by step. Time. Because it okay. is very fortuitous yeah. that this dream comes after the last dream. Yeah, you had a concept on this, so I'm, I'm open ears. I had a dream last night that I gave birth to myself, but I wasn't the woman in labor. I was the person delivering the baby, but the baby was me, and the baby was stuck. The woman was in the stirrups, and the baby was stuck because there was some kind of pump-like apparatus that looked like an oxygen mask hooked up to the birth canal. That was creating a mm -hmm. vacuum and holding the baby inside. My mother was there instructing me. She is no, she's not a medical professional. To remove the device so I could deliver me. And once I had removed the thing, the baby just started to slide out. And I was scrambling to find something right. to catch it with because I had bare hands and didn't want to touch all that with bare hands. And right. I caught the baby in an oversized large metal bedpan, face down. And then I turned the baby over and looked into my face as a baby and woke up. What the fuck? Hmm. All right, Matt, what... Are, what are your thoughts on this? Well, like, that was the, the, I don't know, this one, all it was so, like, almost just, like, hearing a record of something with something added, but I'll go, I'll give it a shot here. They're witnessing their own birth in this, essentially. What I would say is the perception of the uh, viewer in this, they had it wrong. It's not that they, in my opinion, are giving birth you know, birthing themselves so much as they're just witnessing their own birth, if that makes uh, more sense, you know, or through the eyes of, you know, the doctor. I don't know, the doctor to me perhaps represents their perceived fear of the outside world. Their mother's vagina, which they are vacuum, they are held inside by this vacuum apparatus. It's their safe, you know, comfort zone, you know, to try and stay with the Freudian stuff. They want to stay inside the vagina. You know, that's their safe zone. They can't exit because of this apparatus which has been applied, which which I can't really get like a read on what that would be to this particular person, right? But there's something holding them back. And in this place, I don't feel that this is literal birth, but so much as growth right they're they're afraid of the next stage of life maybe that's college maybe that you know whatever but it's more responsibility it's more freedom and that makes them afraid and their mother's you know in in this particular dream is merely trying to help them by pulling off this apparatus you know telling them instructing them to pull off this apparatus whatever that represents you know like this will help you to come out into the world and that's the only real kind of read I got. Uh, it's just basically them, it's very baseline, battling their fears of the unknown. All right, so, so that was you, that, like, like you just did your, uh, your saxophone solo, and now I'm going to pick up and I'm going to do my, <laughs> uh, my little piano solo. So, <laughs> yeah. Um, we like jazz here. So what if I were to tell you that this dream is... And the reason why I find this so ironic is because the symbol in this dream is the exact opposite of the symbolism in the last dream. Okay. I'm following. In the last dream, our protagonist was confusing shit with um, uh, being born, right? That's the, right, right. the, the way that the, uh, the, the way that the, the dream was obfuscating 
the what the actual thoughts were. If, okay. you, if you think it's about shit, you're probably not going to be, th- be thinking about birth and wombs. In this, it's the exact opposite. This has nothing to do with babies being born or, or fetuses or, or labor, or OBGYN, nothing to do with that at all. What this has to do with is shitting. If in birth, woman or man passes an infant human being out of their birth canal, right. what would the equivalent of that be in terms of excrement? The baby is is the shit that comes out of your asshole. And then who is the baby in the dream? See, the bedpan. The baby in the dream is them. Mm. Yes, she does. She shits into the bedpan, right? Yes, that's true. But when we have the, um, you know, Empire Strikes Back and Luke Skywalker enters the cave in Dagobah and he takes his lightsaber lightsaber, and he cuts off Darth Vader's head and then the mask blows open. And what does he say? There's a lump of shit. No, he sees himself. He sees himself, right. right. She turns the baby over in the bedpan. Which is very symbolic, anyway. Like, like you know, shitting, yeah. like literally into where somewhere where you would shit if you were a shit receptacle. Yeah, um, and she turns the baby over, and it's her. So, what is she saying? That is literal. She's saying that she's a piece of shit. Oh yeah, I I can feel that, but I didn't want. Yeah, I was like, is she that harsh? Is she that harsh? I didn't. Yeah, I mean that makes. I mean, it makes sense. I just didn't get to that same uh, <laughs> now, up that same avenue. Hold on, once again, it's not. This isn't fucked up or anything like that. It's just this is the the kind of this way that I think yeah. I believe that dreams work. I can't prove it, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Nothing like that. This is just subjective interpretations. Okay, so she has a device holding the shit in, and it's this mechanical thing that looks like maybe it, it's something that's involved in in terminating pregnancies and stuff like that. That. The function of this device is to hold it in. So what is that? Something that holds shit in? I, yeah, I'm, I imagine that that particular device represents... Hmm. A lie. Oh, yeah. She okay, is lying to herself about something so that she doesn't feel guilty about it. If she feels guilty about it, she's going to shit. She turns into shit. It devalues right, her right. as a person. Her lie keeps the shit in, and and then who is it? Who who tells her that it's okay to to stop lying to yourself? Take away the machine. Take away this thing that's her that's mother. plugging. The, it's her mother. And in the just the psychic economy of this dream, I would say that her mother isn't her mother. Her mother is her, her like higher self, the adult part of her saying, you have something you feel guilty about. You're lying to yourself about it. And it's just causing right. these problems, right? It's, it's, you're, you're backed up. You got to shit them out. You got to shit yourself out. You got to feel like shit about yourself for a little bit. And then you're going to be okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I actually, like, I was trying to find justification for my, you know, uh, my initial, like, kind of guesses or like instincts on the bedpan, but I really couldn't do you kind of connected the dots. It makes a lot of sense. It makes a lot of sense. Because I'm right. Well yeah. I mean yeah. we we discussed this earlier. We are right no matter what the hell we say. Uh, Matt, do you have this third dream in front of you? Yes. I had a dream of ruthlessly killing my brother. Well now, haven't we all? As the title suggests, I tricked my brother into coming closer within my reach, and as soon as he bends down to get something from the floor, I stab his neck with a pencil, see blood gushing out, and then, as I watch his life slowly slip away on the ground, as he breathes his last breath, I don't want to have this dream again, because I love my brother, and I have never had such bad intentions for him. Can someone decode this dream, please? Now, what do you think the dream is? 
Hmm. It is hard to look at look at this and not say that this person doesn't have some uh, let's just say unadmitted problems toward his brother. Uh, he may very well love him, as he says, and not want harm to come to him. But something like it, this one, so good. It's so short. I can't. I almost uh, want to say like it is just his. You know, he has something about his brother that he has to kill. He doesn't want to admit that to himself, but there is some figment or tendency of his brother that he cannot stand. And he's wrestling with that in himself. Uh, perhaps he feels that it is an inherent part of his brother. So it's fucked up for him to hate it. So he can't hate it, as, as he says here. I think he's in denial about uh, his feelings a lot. Say it, say it brother. Like, uh, he wants to kill his brother secretly. It's not something he's consciously thinking. It is something he can't really even admit to himself because it sickens him so to think of himself. But really, it's not not about how he feels about his brother. It's how he wants to think of himself. And he can't let himself be seen himself in that light. Yeah, so what what I see in this is that he, he, so, you know, what does he say? I don't want to have this dream again because I love my brother and I've never had such bad intentions for him. We're not denying that you love your brother. I think mm. that comes across quite clear. What I do think that this statement, when you say something like that, right. what you're saying is you're denying something within yourself. So what you're Great. doing is and i'm just guessing here but what i what i what i see when somebody says that to me is i see oh this is somebody who can't take a realistic view of their brother to them their brother is all good there's nothing bad about their brother thinking bad things about your brother isn't something a good brother does right you you want to be a good brother of course right so Let's say your brother did something that you didn't like. You can't see yourself as being somebody who is angry at your brother because your brother's good, right? By default, <laughs> you can't be wrong. He's, or I mean, I'm sure you can be wrong, but you're a good brother. So you have this contradiction right now, and that creates tension. And then so what you're going to do is you're going to repress that aggressive ten- tendency, push it down into your unconscious. And then later on, you're going to have a dream and think that thought. And so that's what this is. This is a yeah. wish fulfillment. You don't want to kill your brother. That's ridiculous. What that's showing you is an aggressive impulse that you repress sometime yes. during the day. I, I agree with that. Again, like, you know, it's kind of, this is like this, they love their brother, but they can't let go of the idealized concept of how that's supposed to feel. They can't take that and this other like emotion that they feel and make them coexist. It's just something that's, Exactly. So what this is, is like, like what the recommendation would be. And as someone who is a licensed psychotherapist, I can tell you that I am not a licensed psychotherapist. And I, I, am, a fake, I am a fake psychoanalyst, right? I don't, as somebody who has all the qualifications, I have none of the qualifications. But what I can say is that <laughs> you might, like, this is a dream that represents a bit of, not, not bad, but just a bit of immaturity to me. 
because what you're doing is is you're taking this idealized image of your brother and you're saying nothing can contradict this what you could learn from this dream is that you can take a more realistic view of the people around you of your brother of your whoever else is in your life you don't have to idealize him you still love him you can still be angry at him and love him and it would serve you well to realize that those two things can coexist in the same space that takes a certain maturity though yes all right i'll read the fourth one i'm ready all right, yeah, I haven't, I haven't read this one yet, so let's see. Aggressively braiding my hair. Tagged oh. as a nightmare because I was very upset in this dream, even if not horrifying. Uh, like, the dream wasn't horrifying. Was oh, I was, I was browsing this one. I think they, uh, yeah, you're going to have a few of those moments. I think they're uh, English second language. Oh, yeah, yeah, that's fine. Um, a family member of mine was on the phone. They were talking to other family members, uh, I know that they don't even talk to. They're talking to people that they don't usually talk to. These people are pretty shit. Uh, I think your English is great. Uh, some of them, <laughs> some of them, if they truly knew me, might wish I was dead. Or at the very least, would conform. Anyways, I was really angry. Mm-hmm. At one point when they were talking, I think she mentioned my hair like it was unpleasant or something. Anyways, I was yelling in their face, angry. So, so angry. I felt more sort of sad about it, honestly. They didn't listen at first, but then they got angry back. They pushed me and hit me, and then they grabbed my hair, pulled me down, and started to loosely braid it. I was crying. When they were done, I pulled out the braid. They grabbed my hair more aggressively now, pulled my head, and braided my hair tightly. I was crying and crying as if I were going to die. I woke up crying, too. Sorry if this is such a bummer. What's your interpretation? I, I just need to think for a sec. Yeah, that's fine. This particular uh, family member, I'm just going to presume is, they said family member, didn't specify mother or father, right? So, you know, whoever this person is to them was having, I mean, in the, in, you know, the dream, what I would say is it seems to be a discussion about her, just given the context here. They're talking to people they don't usually talk to, and the hair being mentioned now the hair i almost want to ask for background but she's not here to ask but the hair they're saying it's unpleasant they didn't mention a family member being a father or mother this hair this might represent a father or mother figure who is not liked by the family they said that the hair was unpleasant whatever it's hair she has they're yelling at this person they were sad like they said this person basically and them have a disagreement on how this particular hair in this situation should be perceived almost like they believe that you know this is the way it is supposed to be right this is the way it's supposed to be not uh like the braid in this instance is the way the hair is supposed to go the way that you know it is going on its own that's wrong and whether this represents kind of pariah family figure, they're seeing the traits of this person being the unpleasant hair. So they want to straighten that out. They want to braid it up so that they don't have the same problems as this pariah. And they are fighting against that because this person might be close to them, or I feel that it's just coming naturally to them. Like perhaps, you know, like you say, Oh, you are your father's son. It's that kind of feeling for them. At least that's that's kind of my first take. It's family disagreeing with how this person is developing. And that is causing them some strife. 
That could be it. I see it as she has some family members that she doesn't like. So she thinks that she would like to cut them out of her life. And notice what they do is that they hold her down and braid her hair, tying her to them. But they're loose ties, so she's able to get rid of them. To unbind, right. Right, so she she actually achieves in this dream what she wanted to achieve, which is getting rid of them. I think Mm. she feels a bit guilty about that, which is why at the end they they pull her head and braid her hair more tightly. I think that she has mixed feelings about these family members. Like maybe uh, the other people in her family don't like them at all and they always talk bad about them. And she doesn't feel too great about them either, but she might feel guilty about that. Okay. The braiding and the the braid being first loose means that they kick these people out of the family or kick them out of their lives or something like that. She feels guilty, so she lets them back in, and then they tie her more tightly to them. What it's doing is it's it's like she gets what she she wants, which is to keep these people in her life, but also gets to maintain that they're really pieces of shit. Uh, Right. Yeah. Just this toxic kind of individual basically that just won't let go yeah i mean i I mean the the poster isn't doesn't seem toxic to me at all no no the other the individual braiding is the in my opinion the toxic yep anything else no man that's pretty that's pretty good i mean it's better (laughs) better than what i came up with it's interesting we do have another one here though so the title is foreign city take it over by monsters so i became a monster still wasn't safe in my real life, I want to travel. So the start of this dream has been me driving across Northern Europe. I remember driving between Scandinavian cities exploring. At one point at night, I was walking along the street. I didn't recognize where I was. At a hotel I was trying to get back to and was used to the Scandinavian cities by now, but everything felt wrong. It felt like I'd walked into a completely different city and I had a feeling my hotel wasn't there. So I asked the passerby, where am I? I don't recall recognizing the response. Not like I didn't know the city, but it's just this answer wasn't important enough to remember. Shortly after walking for a bit with this woman, monsters of some sort started rampaging the city out of nowhere. People getting dragged around and dying. For some reason, this lady knew exactly where to go. There was these tall, metal dumpster-type objects with just a slit large enough to fit a human at the top. So everyone was climbing over each other to try and fit themselves in the slit. When I fought to the top, it's the orange eyes and black hands poking out of the slit. The box was full of the same monsters in the city, but I was scared and saw everyone else trying to enter, so I jumped in myself. Very quickly, two of the monsters bit off my hands, and the dream reset to right before I asked the girl where I was. I was standing on the road in a familiar city without any hands, and now I was one of the monsters. Except now, the first thing that happened is a voice yelled like a police PA system. And so the monsters without hands were no longer accepted, and chaos erupted into the street. He continued the monsters without hands were monsters, just where monsters, just people faking it. I don't know what happened to myself in the city after that. My brain was kind of done with that segment. So the story just went to me driving across Europe. You're a fucking okay. racist, bro. I, dude, I was kind of good. I was kind of like, hmm. <laughs> <laughs> is that, yeah, I was kind of going to go there. I was like, hmm, it kind of strikes me as that. Well, I would say that the racism plays a factor in my initial take on this, right? This person, they want to travel. 
they want to do all this stuff while they're traveling. They're talking about the city. They're like, oh, I know the city, you know, yada, yada, yada. Then it suddenly changed. And they're like, oh, I don't recognize the city all of a sudden. You know, it feels wrong, blah, blah, blah. And basically everyone's turning into monsters. And they recognize this, but regardless of that, they cast themselves into the monster box with the glowing eyes, like, because everyone else is doing it. From that right there, I get a feeling that this person almost feels as though they have no concrete values, is what they fear. They're kind of having this thought about themselves, like, do I even actually have values, or am I just a punk? Am I just falling? just becoming a monster the fear after that is that if they follow these people or a particular idea that'll eventually turn around on them and they will be identified as a monster despite following the group this one they have either doubt like they've done something racist or that has made them feel like they are a monster maybe they were following the group and they recognize that in themselves but they're also worried about this group they've fallen in with turning on them and the hands not having the hands i feel is kind of indicative of a feeling of powerlessness and again i say feeling in this because i'm not going to deny their agency in matters you know what i mean it's a perceived powerlessness to become a monster oh, no. okay think? i think that nothing in this dream is accidental mm. i think that this dream has a very specific message and that me message is extraordinarily racist um <laughs> yeah uh, Preach, brother. and yes if this is the dream that you had doesn't make you a bad person and it doesn't necessarily make you racist but i want to talk to somebody about the way that you look at the world so yeah. here's what i so and i'm going to make this explicit now okay where does this take place scandinavia right norway yeah. and sweden what's the prevailing thing about norway and sweden from the alt-right and from all of that is that they're being raped by muslim migrants that's a fear and that's a sexual fear too right because it's the foreign barbarian. Uh, savage barbarian right coming in and raping our churches and burning our women and all that he's in the city and the city starts swarming with monsters, right? Right. So then they get to the top of this structure where the slit large enough to fit a human, the slit large enough, let me say it again, a slit large enough to fit a human inside. So when he tries to go in for shelter, right? He's, he's trying to what? Like in the other one, he's trying to crawl into the womb yes. for safety. What is staring back at him? Those glowing eyes. Orange eyes and black hands. Okay, so this woman is crawling into the womb and inside the womb, he's finding a black baby. He's finding a monster, one of the one of the monsters. And he wants to go in. He wants the safety of being inside the womb. But when he gets there, he finds that his wife, his lover, whatever, has already been impregnated by a monster. And almost as if Scandinavia itself has been impregnated by the monster, by the right? Monster. Right. Yeah. And the, the black hands come out. I was scared everyone else enters, so I jumped in myself. Very quickly, two of the monsters bit off my hands. Hmm. They didn't bite off his hands, they bit off his dick. Okay. 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 They've got hands, right? Because he goes in, that's the first thing he sees is the orange eyes and the hands. Hands are his dick, okay? Hands, dick, dick, hands. It's the same thing. It's like you said, a source of his power, right? Symbolically, that's the phallus, the penis, right? So the hands right. are the dick. He sees that the monster of Scandinavia that is currently impregnated within Scandinavia has the dick. And right. he comes in and he gets his dick immediately bitten off. Ripped off, yeah. <laughs> now, let's get a little more fucked up. What happens next?
Then next, he's back where he was to begin with, where he's asking where he was. You know, talking to that, uh, that girl. I, I was now one of the monsters, except now the first thing that happened was a voice yelled like a police PA system. Oh, yes, it said right. that the monsters without hands were no longer accepted and chaos erupted in the street. The so police are fighting back. Where, where, what? what? I mean, whatever in culture right now is this, <laughs> is this reflective of? I can't think of anything. No, nothing. Nothing at all. Yeah. Okay, so this is a Black Lives Matter protest. And <laughs> yes. He doesn't he doesn't want to think of himself as racist. So he's one of the monsters now, right? He puts himself in their position and then lets the police fucking go to town on them. Make you know, kick them out. You're right. You guys have to get out of the country. This is terrible. We don't want any monsters anymore. You guys aren't even monsters anyway, right? You're not monsters. You're all lying yeah. to us. Get out. We don't want you anymore. So he's identifying in the dream with the monsters, black people, people mm -hmm. of color, thereby transferring the aggressive feelings onto society and authority, the right. police, and enjoying that thrill of kicking out the immigrant. It's actually, that makes a lot of sense. Especially yeah, when you start to think about it, it becomes really fucking clear what the dream is. And also, it's like, man, you need to come to grips with some shit about yourself. Yeah. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> I mean, I, what I, I, I see I is makes a lot of what he's doing is he's thinking repressed thoughts, meaning he felt that huh. he had these thoughts, but they were unacceptable to him. So he immediately repressed them. And now he's in his dream. He's thinking he's thinking mm -hmm. thoughts and then hiding it to himself so he doesn't feel bad about these thoughts that he's had. Great. Because he's yeah. right, <laughs> those are those should be um, those yeah. should be unacceptable thoughts to you. To you, it's fine to think racist thoughts. We all do that, right? No one has like access to the privacy of our minds unless we're stupid enough to fucking post our dreams on Reddit. <laughs> sorry, I'm so sorry. I'm not sorry. Fuck you. <laughs> um, so no, I don't think this is like an overt racist or anything like that. I think that these like aggressive impulses yes, are sure. having aggressive impulses to yeah. migrants, but you're repressing those very deep seated shit they don't want to admit to. Which you know, who knows like, that seed is planted, but it's there. And you have this unconscious fear of people of color from the Middle East and Africa coming yeah. in and raping the purity of Europe. I don't know. I can't not see that in this. It's just, it's no, so like, on the surface. It's pretty, uh, and, and like for, for the life of me, I did not, I, I often, like when I, when I read this straight off the bat, it was like, this person is a European. They may not be from Northern Europe. They may not be from the Scandinavian countries. But that particular reference, that particular example stood out to them for a fucking reason. Because of what they've heard, what they've been told or something. You know, this is something they have heard somewhere. And it actually did make them scared. And that makes them feel like a fucking monster. It doesn't make you a monster or anything like that. It makes them feel like one for sure, though. That they've considered, you know, that they've thought those thoughts. So chill out on yourself. Like you don't have to punish. Like you don't have to feel yeah. guilty for thinking the thoughts that you do. What I would say is like ultimately it would be healthier to think these thoughts and then say like, okay, so that's what I. That's that's my first reaction to this to this situation. But is that realistic? Realistic. If you consciously think these thoughts, it gives you the space to evaluate. You. If you're just repressing them all the time and then thinking them in your dreams, you're not really doing it critically. You're not like yeah. you're not changing yourself. Self. If you don't acknowledge that you have that, you know, that that's in there, you can't really address it at all. If you deny it, you're going to deny there's a problem. 
you know. Let's wrap it up. Right. Putting on the condom. <laughs> so yeah, we're, yeah. Gonna, we're gonna go fuck now. <laughs> uh, that we are. All right. So if you have a dream that you want interpreted, if you ha- want relationship advice, oh yeah. If you want medical advice, I mean, I don't know dick about medicine, but I'll give you medical advice. If you want sex moves. Yeah. Hey, listen. You have a sink that's clogged or something like that. Yeah. Matt and I can take care of that for you. Yeah. All totally. it takes is money. Yeah. Money so, and, and asking, you know. So reach out. Reach out. Uh, making it all weird at gmail.com is our a- uh, email address. If we don't get get people emailing into to that, we'll just keep doing Reddit stuff, no problem. We are going to be recording our Vampire the Masquerade games. So we're going to do a live play yes. of that. And that will be in a different podcast, I suppose. Which will be a yeah, lot of us. And yeah, so and, us and enjoy us. So yeah, get at us. Uh, send us your send us your stupid bullshit shit, and we'll fix your problems. And we will respond with stupid bullshit. But I mean, less. you know, if you're really adults, you probably could t- handle that kind of stuff on your own and not like send it to a podcast or, or post it on Reddit. But you're not. You're little babies. So this is what you do. You do. We know that our demographic is not people who are emotionally mature. We're you guys are all fine. It is actually better to ask advice than to not. By all True. means. Um, so, yeah, send us your stuff. Making it all weird. M A K I N I T A L L W E I R D at gmail.com. And, yeah, uh, you didn't know how to spell that. You're an asshole. Well, yeah, but there's no G at the end. You know, it's making. Yeah, well, yeah. Anyway, all right, that's it. <laughs>